peace family and welcome to the beautifully purpose podcast um give us a second while we set up and um while we await uh more people to join um this is amara chi and on the line i have miracle um we are awaiting our special guest jaleesa trap um to come in and join so give us a second while we get everything together. Can you hear me? I'm Raji. Yes, me. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> All right, I just so you can't hear my dog barking. He's starting to get up. All right, I'm excited. Yes, I am. I am. <laughs> see, is there a way? Okay, so you sh- you shared the link on Facebook. Yes, ma'am. Let me try to say. I'm Okay, so before we, um, I want to give a, a quick little, a uh, quick backstory um, about Jalisa. Um, I met Jalisa in two thousand and one, about two thousand two thousand and one. Um, Jalisa was a um, one of the youth at the Intel Computer Clubhouse on the hilltop in Tacoma. Um, I want to say she was about 13 or so when I met her, um, her and her sister attended, um, we were under, um, uh, LaVersa Sullivan, the Intel computer clubhouse was actually started, um, by Mitch Resnick of MIT, um, and it was a dope uh, technology organization. Um, Jalisa, I've watched her grow into this beautiful woman. Um, Jalisa um, graduated from uh, UW, uh, Seattle. Um, then it went on to um, MIT for her master's. Now she is currently working on her um, PhD um, at MIT. Um, you guys got to follow Jalisa. Um, she, um, like I said, she is a P- PhD student. And I'm actually going to read something from the media um, at MIT. Um Jalisa is currently um, a student uh, working on her PhD in the Lifelong Kindergarten Research Group. 
Um, she says, my current research focus is exploring the different ways youth of color interact with computers and technology in an effort to design playful technologies with and for them. My, master re my master's research focused on examining the race, class, and social barriers to um, construct, uh, constructionism in education through the intersectional lens with the hope to provide solutions to um, eradicate them. My goal is to uh, give marginalized youth youth access to the STEM technologies and equipped educators with the resources to provide an equitable learning uh, environment. Um, it's so interesting. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead okay. I'm like, it's so interesting because, you know, when, when I was younger, my, um, my uncle went to school with uh, Bill Gates. They all went to Garfield, like, mm. you know, and, um, he came home like in 1980 with a Commodore 64 computer. And mm -hmm. I'm telling you, the only, you know, we get on there and at first it's exciting, but then after a while, you know, back then the computers didn't really have anything on them. So it's just like, <laughs> like you know, you could, it, you know, eventually you could play games on them. But then after that, I was like, you know, my mind was so small. It's like, well, what can you do with this? You know, right. and technology has grown so much over the years. It's like, you know, the, the Internet invention and all this stuff. I wanted my kids to go to the Technology Access Foundation. And I think I actually had did some research into that organization. That, what was the organization called that you guys were in in Tacoma? Amarachi. Oh, uh, at the Intel Computer Clubhouse at the time. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think I did some research into that and saw pursued it you know for my kids but my kids were oh, always man. into I know my kids were always into technology and right now AJ can build a computer I, I will build you a computer but I'm still so far because the only thing I ever liked on the computer was like word and office and mm. you know things like that there's so many things that she has dove into that that um with the programs that she's doing that yes. can help, and I and I never it never would have came up in my mind at all to even think like that. So yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, uh, the the clubhouse man, the clubhouse changed my life. Um, mm -hmm. For for me, the way that I got into it is um, somebody brought me to the clubhouse one day. Um, mm -hmm. I was pregnant with my daughter Diamond at the time, and mm -hmm. this woman really just. Um, grabbed me up she definitely kept me out of um gangs um mm -hmm. the, the first time uh laversa sullivan met me she was like are you pregnant and i kind of laughed at her the next day i came back and i was like yeah i'm pregnant and yeah. fr from there on she really just kept me um um and she, and and we did a lot of traveling she introduced me to a lot I didn't even know nothing about computers uh, at all. Um, mm -hmm. But everything from building computers um, to Lego robotics to mm -hmm. um, film and editing to science, math, tech, like everything we, uh, I was introduced from the clubhouse. Yeah. Um, 
Laversa actually started the first media lab in Garfield, mm-hmm. um, introducing it. Um, and just like I said, just super dope. So just to see where Jaleesa is now from the clubhouse. And and there's so many other alumni within the clubhouse network that are doing some dope and powerful things in this mm-hmm. world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and clubhouses are all over the world. So yeah. hold on, we're having an issue. It's not letting Jaleesa join. So okay. let me um try to get her in again. Okay. And you know, um all of the issues that they're having in Seattle right now, it just seems like a clubhouse would be a great place for youth to go to in in our yeah, neighborhood. You know like, what? I'm I'm not sure exactly what's going on with the clubhouse. I know um I don't know what's going on with the clubhouse. I haven't kept up uh, mm-hmm. in years. Um, so I couldn't even tell you what they got going on over there. Mm-hmm. The last thing I knew, uh, Alan A and me was running it. And I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not talking bad about nobody, but I don't know what their yeah. background is or who they got running it in and, and right. um, their education in that, um, in that yeah. field. So it's just, it's just uh, important to be able to grab the youth like just like she grabbed you, you know, <laughs> like oh and, man, yeah, that, that's that's what you need, you know. That's <laughs> no seriously, like, like I said, I, I was running around with everyone um, mm-hmm. on the hilltop. Um, all of my friends um, are from you know different gangs, and yeah. I was the only one. Like that woman, that woman saved my life. I'm not gonna lie. And even right. as I as I got older, I was still involved in craziness. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. But I can honestly say, because of her doing that, even no matter what I was involved in, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm not in prison. You know. Right. And right. And you know what? We got Jaleesa on the line right now. Um. So yeah. Hey, Jaleesa. Hey. Sorry, I had to download the app for it to work. Oh, goodness. So I gave a quick little backstory about you and read something off uh, the MIT uh, media site um, about you and just telling them how I met you at the clubhouse, how you're doing some powerful things. Um, so, yeah, we're excited. We're excited um, to have you here. And we definitely thank you. We appreciate you. <laughs> Oh, thanks for having me. Um, so as we get this started, um, so I guess we'll start with, um, if you can just tell us, you know, how you got to where you are now. Sometimes I'd be like, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you were there when it started, when I, yeah. um, Started going to the clubhouse in 2001. Um, I mean, before I went to the clubhouse, I didn't really know anything about technology, really. We we had, like, a used computer that I think somebody built at our house, but I only used it to do, like, AOL Instant Messenger <laughs> and, <laughs> like, some games. Uh, but then I started going to the clubhouse, and I met Miss LaVersa, 
and I wanted to play games and she was like that's cute but you got to work on a project before you play some games <laughs> and I was like a project like you know so I think the first thing I started doing was there was this program called Goo and you can just like distort faces and I was like that's funny she thinks I'm working on a project I'm just making these pictures look funny and then I learned Photoshop so you know the joke was on me I did learn about nice. graphic design and video production and how to code um, being in that space really helped me not only learn more about technology but learn more um, about community so I mean Sianna can tell you that if if we got five dollars Miss Larissa would be like is one of those dollars coming to the clubhouse right right <laughs> Right. Like, dang, all I got is 50 cents and you want 10? Like, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it started becoming something that we did without a question. You know, we would go across the street to Rite Aid to get snack because uh, every night at the clubhouse we would have food. And so if we got paid, then, you know, we would offer to to buy food that night whether it was just like some chips and this one dollar three liter bottle of soda <laughs> yeah um, you know so I just I learned a lot more about what it meant to be in community and to you know my family is military and so we were already out in Washington by ourselves and so mm. we already ever all of our family in Washington with our play family, our play cousins, but um, coming to the clubhouse, that's where, you know, I got sisters like Sianna and Jomia um, that would look after me and my sister because my older brother and sister are eight years older than me. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was, you know, fourth grade, they're already out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, the clubhouse is where everything started because, you know, what I'm doing now, I'm I'm at MIT, but I'm also still doing a lot of work in Tacoma. So I organized with Tacoma Action Collective. Um, and even the people that I organized with there, like Jamika, I met at the clubhouse because that was Jomia's friend. Um, so yeah. a lot of what I'm doing goes back to what I learned at the clubhouse. Um, so so nice. something right quick, if you guys don't already know, um, I go by Amarchi. Um, my name is Sianna, um, and my sister being Jomia. So a lot of people <laughs> don't know that. They um, when they see me in the streets, they'd be like Amarchi. A lot of people, unless you know me, yeah, my name is Sianna. So yeah. <laughs> so it was basically that sense of community that that made you keep sticking with the program. Yeah, and also you know Miss Larissa would be like, "Oh, you're trying to quit." I'm not to call your mom. Get out of my business. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, you know, and also like she she saw a lot of things in us that we didn't see in ourselves. Man. So you know, like she told me apply for this internship at Microsoft. I was like, mm-hmm. at Microsoft? Uh, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> and I. I did two internships at Microsoft as a high school student, and I was the only person in that program from Tacoma. The rest of the kids in that program were from Seattle and Bellevue. Um, So I was waking up every day at 4 o'clock in the morning 
um, to make sure I got to my internship by 8 a.m. in the summer. And, you know, if it wasn't for Miss Larissa seeing that potential in me and telling me, like, no, you absolutely should. You definitely belong here. Like, I would have never done that. And, you know, Mm. that was my first experience in corporate and also realizing it's not for me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was nice. The, The benefits were great. The people I met were great. The connections I made, I'm still... Um, friends with some of the people that I met in that program but I I did learn that you know actually I don't want to do anything in corporate Mm -hmm. yeah the um I know for me the clubhouse just gave me a sense of community and family um I I you know grew up raised me um, when I moved to Hilltop in 99, I really didn't know too many people, you know, definitely started to meet people, but I would say I was connected in the wrong crowds. Um, and now for me as an adult, like I just have that sense of giving back. Um, I just have that sense of giving back. Like I, I gotta go grab everybody that Sankofa mindset. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's been beautiful. It, it's been beautiful. And the thing about LaVersa is she made sure that we were accountable for actions. Cause like I said, mm-hmm. even, even, <laughs> even going to the clubhouse, like I was still on some, some craziness in the streets. And I remember, um, and I was one of the older kids, you know, I was 17, 18 at the time, uh, uh, had diamond, you know, just just doing some craziness in the streets, and Laversa will bust me out in front of all the kids. She sure <laughs> would. She'd be like, out there selling drugs. You know what I'm saying? Like, she'd be like, tell them out. what you were doing yesterday. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was looking at her like, what? Don't tell these kids this. But she wanted me to be that role model. You know, she was, she molded me into the person that I am today. And I'm thankful. Um, I'm grateful to know people like you, you know, um, and everybody else. Like I said, all you guys are doing some of the most powerful things. So it, it's just super dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you guys still in contact with her, Laversa? Laversa passed away. Oh, okay. Um, in 2013. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. Um, when Laversa passed away, Jaleesa, you were at UW, right? I had just time? finished. Yeah, Jaleesa had just finished. Mm-hmm. Um, I tr- I tried to um, stay at the clubhouse for a little while longer. Um, money was kind of tight. Had four kids at the time. And mm-hmm. then Jaleesa went over to the clubhouse and um, kept it running. How long did mm-hmm. you running, Jaleesa? Um, so actually, Miss Larissa passed in 2011 because I went there in 2013. Oh, oh shit. Um, oh, my bad. Forgive me. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I went there in 2013 and I stayed until 2017 when I um, left for grad school. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, forgive me because I've been looking at her um, obituary all the time her obituary actually sits on my um altar 
goodness. Um. So okay. Um. What's what's going on in the community as far as you and um T- Tacoma Action um, Collective? Like, what are you guys doing right now? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts. So actually, so last year, um, somebody that I went to high school with, Monet, um, reached out through another friend. And, you know, she told us that her brother got killed by the police. Oh, and, wow. You know, I was, you know, I was like, wait, what? Because, you know, she said it happened in March, March 3rd. And I was just like, it's the end of May. How come we never heard about this? Wow. But, you know, we never questioned her. As soon as she asked for help, we got to work. Mm-hmm. And it became clear very fast that it was a cover-up. On June 3rd, well, June 2nd, she got a call. We were planning a a candlelight vigil because, Mm -hmm. you know, her family never really got a a proper chance to have anything for him because of COVID. And also just because they didn't get any answers. You know, Monet got a call while she was at work at 10.30 a.m. the next day. Wow. And they just said that he was, like, that he was dead. And they didn't give her any details. Wow. Um, But mind you, there was a story at 8 a.m. that day Mm. in the News Tribune. And it just (laughs) said, like, he died in police custody. That was it. From excited delirium. And that was it. Um, Mm And so on June 2nd, as we were in the middle of planning the um, the candlelight vigil, she got a call from a reporter asking for comments on the fact that his um, death was ruled a homicide. Mm. That was the first time she had ever heard it. Yeah. Wow. You know, nobody, the detectives, they kept playing games, saying they didn't have any more information. Another detective called her other brother and said that um, the case had been closed. And so, you know, on June 2nd, when we found that out, you know, the story came out on June 3rd when we were actually having the the same day that we had planned to have the vigil already. Um, Pierce County Sheriff's Department decided that we were going to do something crazy and they put in um, a curfew that night for 9 p.m. They actually started um, surveillancing us that day and they there's a story about it in the Seattle Times because they took away funds that were supposed to go to COVID relief to pay Pierce County Sheriff's Department and Tacoma Police to watch us. Wow. Um, And mind you, we were just having a candlelight vigil because his family wanted to do something for him. Um, But, you know, in the process, we, you know, we found a lot. We found three witnesses who all saw what happened. Um, Two of them had video of, you know, them beating him. Um, tasing him, him saying, I can't breathe, sir. Um, we found out that there was another video from a, like a ring camera surveillance video 
that a neighbor had that the police already had where you can very clearly hear him saying that he can't breathe and them telling him to shut the F up. Um, and we knew, and actually when we met up with one of the witnesses, all of a sudden while we were meeting, Pierce County Sheriff's <laughs> Department put out um, a notice saying that they were looking for witnesses and described the witness that, the two witnesses that we were meeting with. Wow, so they were watching you. Exactly at the time that like we were in the middle of meeting with her and they put this notice out. And so, um, you know, we knew that they were going to try to keep covering it up and they were trying to conclude their investigation. So we actually went down to Olympia um, and protested outside of the, the governor's office. And we we're just like, no, we need to talk to you, actually. Because that night, you know, Monet is very smart. She's not dumb. She looked, She did everything that she could on her own. And mm-hmm. she listened to police scanners. And so Puyallup um, PD, Lakewood PD, um, Washington State Patrol, they all showed up to the scene that night. And that wasn't in any of the, um, that wasn't in any of the uh, reports. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and the fact that Pierce County Sheriff's Department was in the investigation, they shouldn't have done the investigation because of, you know, um, um, I-940. And so because of all of that stuff that we did, we were able to get an independent investigation and this past May, three of the five officers involved were charged. Um, and oh, this is the first beautiful. time that the state has charged any officers in Washington. Um, there's only been one officer before who's been charged. It wasn't, it wasn't by the state, though. It was by um, the city. And so, you know, but then you know things have been happening mom actually had to leave her apartment she has five children her and her kids had to leave because somebody was um you know watching her they're watching her place they uh they cut her her brake shoes they uh, slashed her tires um so you know they were they were living in a hotel for a whole month and she has um housing Tacoma Housing Authority was not helpful at all. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. She Mm-mm. had to, you know, she had to find a place on her own. And this is an emergency situation. Um, yeah. There's actually, so there's going to be a story that comes out about it in the Seattle Times next week. But mm. she also had um, a cop's wife um serve her with a, uh, a restraining order. She tried to get a restraining order order against her and said that Monet and one of the witnesses was harassing her uh, oh, because wow. of a Facebook post that she shared that like almost 200 people shared. Um, but somehow she singled out those two. And mm-hmm. in the hearing, which was public, you know, she said that she had hired a private investigator. And 
even with that, you know, we don't believe that. Why would you hire a private investigator if your husband is a police officer? Right. You know, she she had the paperwork sent to Monet's mom's house. Um, and Monet's first name legally isn't even Monet, but she just had Monet. You know, we're like, you didn't hire a private investigator. You work for the school district. You looked up her information in the school database because her kids mm-hmm. go to Tacoma Public Schools. Yeah. You know, um, things have been happening outside of the house where the the family that had the, the ring surveillance camera um, and actually, I think two weeks ago, somebody had set uh, their car on fire. Um, yeah, so, yeah, like a lot of what we've been doing right now is just making sure that people are safe. But I mean, we're definitely nowhere near done. The trial still has to happen. Um, we're still even trying to get them to charge the other two officers. Um, and since then, another story has come out about two of the officers involved beating up another person and tasing him and threatening to tase his wife on camera. Wow. Yeah, to, um, Tacoma police ain't no joke. I know uh, back in 2006, I was um, pregnant with Tommy, um, and mm-hmm. that's my third child. But... um. And it was all because a white man was beating his black girlfriend. And I moved the kids out the way because there was a lot going on. Ended up getting choked out by the police. And because I was crying because I was pregnant, Mm -hmm. uh, they threw me in the back of the police car threatening to take me to jail. Um, And I made complaints. Like, I even had to call my doctor and have my doctor on the phone just to listen to everything that was going on. And my doctor ended up telling me that within that year, because it happened like in June or so, they said within that six month span, there were five different cases of Tacoma police beating up pregnant Mm -hmm. women. And when I tell you for a year straight, because I was not playing about my complaints going to anybody I can go to, they, they found out where I lived. Follow, and I used to walk to work. Um, so it used to take me about 20 minutes to walk to work. Um, and they would follow me from my apartment or from my house all the way to my job every single day, yelling stuff out the window, calling me from restricted numbers, threatening me. Um, man, it, it was so scary. And at the time, I just had Diamond in Malaya. Um mm-hmm. I was scared for my safety and my kids because I was like, they are going to try to kill me. You know, I, and then they told me um, they were trying not to even have it go anywhere by saying that my testimony or anybody else's who had witnessed this, they were not reliable because they lived on the hilltop. So (laughs) they were trying to threaten anybody who got in the way and they will go as far as even to witnesses making sure that something happens to you. So um, police definitely play a dirty game. Um, and, and it happened to the point where I didn't have nobody by my side. There weren't groups like yours or not this time protecting mm-hmm. these families. So I was on my own and I ended up dropping um, my complaint because I was so scared. I, I was like, it's not worth dying or my baby's dying. and then I was at the clubhouse at the time so I was like man they come into the clubhouse sitting outside (laughs) that never stopped 
Huh? So that never stopped. There was a day when I was um, at the clubhouse. But you know what? Actually, you came after. I don't know if you remember this day, but the police just sat there in the parking lot watching us for yeah. hours. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was scared to send kids home. Yeah. Yeah, they, they play dirty. They play very dirty. So... Uh, man, yeah, I'm I'm thankful for your organization, not this time, and the work that you guys do to really be the voice to these families and and protecting their loved ones who are still here. Um, cause that's that's a fight. That's a fight. You gotta fight them to the death. So um, yeah, it's an uphill battle. For real, up a mountain. Shoot. Um. So are you still teaching in Tacoma, Jaleesa? I am. I am. Um, I don't know. I'm figuring out what the fall looks like. So before the pandemic, I was flying back and forth every week um, to teach at Idea High School. And then everything moved online. So, But I was still mostly in Tacoma. I came back to Boston in what, the beginning of June. It was probably the longest I've actually stayed in Boston since I've, mm. <laughs> since I've been here. But um, but yeah, back in, when, in the fall, I guess we're still figuring out what the schedule will look like, um, if I'll teach virtually or in person. But I'm definitely still teaching in Tacoma. Oh, nice. My son is going to IDEA this year. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I helped start idea. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> so, <'cause> somebody, <laughs> told him, somebody told him that the school was racist or something like that. And I said, you know what? You're going to have to go there and find out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, um, you know, actually, when I was at the clubhouse, the administrators at Soda and Sammy, they came to visit the clubhouse because they, you know, they kept hearing so many kids talk about the clubhouse and what they were mm -hmm. learning there. Nice. Um, and so they asked me if I would want to teach at Sammy. And at first, you know, I wasn't really interested in teaching because I didn't like school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, they were just like, it'd be nice if you're able to provide something like what you do at the clubhouse to students. Mm -hmm. And so, and they were telling me that they wanted to open up a new school, but it hasn't happened yet. But if I would teach at Sammy in the meantime, so I went to Sammy and then um, the next, my, during my second year, we put in the proposal for IDEA and then mm -hmm. it got accepted. So then after my second year of Sammy, I left and went to help start IDEA. Oh, I'm so excited for him to go to yeah. such an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, I mean, it's still a young school. So we just had the second graduating class this past year. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. I mean, there's still things that we're figuring out, but mm -hmm. it's definitely a, a great opportunity for students. Nice. My niece goes there. Does she? Mm hmm. Nice. Yeah, she's, um, She's about to be a junior. And it's funny because she wanted to go because I taught her. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Mm-hmm. She just turned 16. Man, it's been a long time. <laughs> so how many projects do you have going right now? That's a good question. Because I just, <laughs> started, <laughs> I just started two new ones today. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I blame the clubhouse because I was always working on like five different projects at once. And people are always like, how can you like fully focus on something if you're always doing a bunch of stuff? But I don't know. We started young. Um, yes. So at IDEA, the project that I'm working on there, and it's actually part of what I'm doing for uh, my research program too, is I'm working with high school students and they're designing um, STEM activities for middle school students uh-huh. and I mean with a focus uh, like black and brown youth and nice. really focusing on making sure that they know how the activities that they're doing are connected to professional opportunities because uh-huh. so many times people just say like oh go into STEM or code and you know, kids are like, okay, like I'm doing it because you told me to do it, not because mm-hmm. I know what's right. possible. So mm-hmm. we always connect it to um, a STEM hero. So like a, a Black person or a woman in STEM that does something related to the activity and then um, college and career pathways so that, you know, they come to these schools. So they come to IDEA or SAMI and they know what they want to do. They know that they're going to take these physics classes because they're going to need it when mm-hmm. they go to college instead of just, you know, not fully taking advantage of what they what they have in front of them. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things I'm working on. Um, I'm also going to be working on um, two different um, social justice related things, uh, but one really looking at the harms in AI and because you know a lot of schools are starting to adopt um, AI programs that are not good for our kids Um, you know one of my friends here does a lot of work on facial recognition and you know it, it does not recognize black women accurately and so when that happens, so Black people in general, but specifically Black women, um, we can be in front of a facial recognition software and it says that we're somebody else and then we get arrested. Right. Wow. There was, yeah, just this past year, there was a man, I think in, I, I want to say San Francisco, but he was arrested and put in jail falsely because the facial recognition system thought it was somebody else. Um, you know, and that's just with your face. They're also using um, AI for college admissions. They're using it to determine your your um, sentencing in court, and it disproportionately affects Black people. Um, and I'm really interested in making sure that our youth know what that looks like and how to call it out so, because, you know, they're using this technology all the time and I think it's just it's really important for them and for their families to know um, how to spot this type of stuff 
Wow. That, yeah, that's crazy. I just read an article about uh, what uh, Bruce Harrell was trying to bring here, but the guy mm-hmm. it said um, uh, that that technology um, got this man shot twice, and I I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was like, what what happened? Well, the guy I I read half of the article, but I know it got his um, his family's door kicked in because here come all mm-hmm. the you know. Because they said that he could either, either, and so it says he could either have shot someone or he could have got shot by someone. So that's why they were coming in there. I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, that's crazy. It's it's even like determining where you can live. People are using this for for housing, for renting. Um, so yeah, if you have Netflix, I recommend watching the Coded Bias. Um, mm, my friend yeah. Joy, that's the work that she's been working on at MIT. Oh, I'm definitely going to check that out. And, and what's that bias. again, Julissa? Can you repeat that? The coded bias. Coded bias? Mm-hmm. Okay. And where can we find that at? On Netflix. On Netflix? Mm-hmm. So I was reading about uh, the scratch and civil is that um, with the, the Tacoma, the TAC thing that you're doing, or is that something different? Oh, so that's um, that's with MIT. I'm kind of taking Uh-oh. a break on that just because I haven't been able to uh, work with, go do workshops in person. <laughs> but um, Scratch is a programming language that my research group developed. Um, it's a block-based programming language, so it's really easy for for young people to learn how to code, to learn these different concepts. But, um, you know, my issue was always that, you know, we're, we're telling Black kids, like, just play. But that's not their reality. You know, when yes. they're in school, you can tell them, like, oh, we want you to learn through playing all you want. But you know, our kids know, like, we're not sent to school to play, and yeah, we get in trouble for it all the time, but also just looking at how they can use coding and looking at their community and combining that, so telling stories about their communities, about themselves, about their families, um, starting at a young age so that they get in the mindset that they can use technology as a tool for civic engagement and it's not just um, something that they play with because their reality is not the same as these other kids. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have I have a question for you. Um, when you are done um, with school, do you have any plans as of right now or no, I do not. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure it out. I know that I would like to be in Tacoma. Okay. Um, I don't think that getting a PhD means I have to move somewhere fancy or, you know, I don't, I, I think that I can, the work that I want to do, I can do in Tacoma. So. Yes, indeed. Nice. <laughs> That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, Ju- and Jaleesa was a part of just so many uh, growing up, 
uh, different powerful programs um, as far as start help helping to start the girls math and science program that we had over at the Evergreen State College, um, introducing Lego robotics into the school, into the schools. Um, what was the Seattle thing that we were doing? Oh, real girls, real girls, real girls, mm-hmm. and they actually. Yeah, Real Girls was cool. Um, that was in Seattle. Miss Larissa had us doing everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> Girl. is <laughs> I mean, the reason why I know how to cook. Okay, she's the reason. I didn't even know what a MIT was. Like, we, I didn't know. But she would always tell us about MIT and we could go there and, and I finally looked it up. I was like, I can go where? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Laversa La definitely helped to kick down so many doors for so mm-hmm. many people. It wasn't even funny. Um, I mean, I, I just remember even our, our experience in Boston going to MIT and you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Making sure that there were things that we got to do. Ooh, I know. Like, you, she didn't let know nobody talk to us crazy, too. That's one thing. I mean, and, you know, I think that's, too, why I'm so outspoken. Because, like, you know, she let us know that it's okay. Like, people don't get to tell us what to do or get to treat us any kind of way. Yeah. She made it very clear. Nice. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. She didn't play no games. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so how many years were you are you at uh MIT? Or were you uh, at MIT? So I guess ooh, I guess I've been here four years now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well nice. so I originally I thought I was gonna come for two years do my masters and leave because I do mm-hmm. not like Boston at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I did, I just wanted to do my master's, but then after my first year, I was like, oh, there's still a lot of work that I want to do. So mm-hmm. I think I need to do PhD. And I was actually going to go to the University of Washington. I applied for a PhD program there and got in. And I did apply here for a PhD as well. And they really wanted me to stay. And I was like, I did not like this place. But um, another mentor of mine, you know, she was just like, you need to put things into perspective. You are a Black woman. And if you have the chance to get a PhD at MIT, you need to take that. Because unfortunately, you know, where you get your degree from matters. And while UW is still a very great school, people are going to look at, like, that MIT degree is going to hold more weight. Plus, Definitely. I told MIT, like, I still, I'm like, I there's a lot more stuff that I need to be doing in my community and that I want to be doing in my community. And they were like, we hear you, so yeah, let's make this work. So they were paying for my flights to go back and forth. Nice. To oh, beautiful. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, that part of the media lab, there's so many people here that are already come for money. So that, mm-hmm. you know, like coming here, it's nothing to them. For yeah. me, I was just like, Boston's really expensive. I'm out here broke. I am used to having two, three jobs and all these side projects. And I come here and you guys tell me that 
I have to sign a contract saying that I won't work. And that's not working for me. And so part of my PhD um, acceptance was that I could work. So that's why I was able to go back and forth and teach in Tacoma and Mm -hmm. have them pay for it. Nice. That's dope. Mm-hmm. Great. You know, I so, was confused about uh, the lifelong kindergarten. What? What? Because first I thought it was for kids, and then I thought, well, wait a minute. Are they saying use uh, like use your mind as a child would use your mind, like for imagination, or or what? <laughs> yeah. So that's the name of my research group, and so um, you know, my advisor decided to call the group lifelong kindergarten because. Um, a lot of what we do is we look at how children learn and we look at um, specifically how they interact with technology um, and these technology experiences. And if you think about it in kindergarten, that's like the last time you're allowed to just play and learn. You build things with blocks that falls apart. You're like, oh, that's fine. I'll put it back together. You know, after that, when you get in first grade, they're giving you worksheets. They're right. telling you what to do. Um, and, you know, we want to encourage the people to keep learning like you do in kindergarten, learning from that experience and building on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good concept. Because it's like when I was younger, people say, oh, I always used to say, you, you can use your imagination. Well, I never heard that at home. I would hear it at school, you know, mm-hmm. or, yeah. or at other people's house. But, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's what we do. Like everything, every concept came from somebody's imagination, every business, every everything. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how that's how cities are, are engineered. <laughs> like, <laughs> so Delisa okay. has been a mentor to many, and we actually have... Um, one of the um, youth, I guess she's still youth, um, on the line. And I, I want to open it up to see if um, Diamond has any questions for you, Jaleesa. Hi, baby. <laughs> oh, shoot. Did Hold on, hold on. Let me let me click her back in. I don't know what's going on, on with her thing. It keeps on clicking her off. My phone keeps going in and out. Can you hear me? <laughs> we can hear you. Wait, you guys can hear me right now? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, sorry. My question is, do you ever plan on making an app? That's so funny. Everybody asks me that. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I guess it depends on... If it's something that, so the thing about apps for me is like they take too much maintenance. Like you have to keep updating it, adding stuff to it, and I just I don't have the time. But I can teach you how to make an app, and you can make one. I was gonna ask if you how to make an app. Can you teach me how to make one? Because I want to make one. Um, see, we can do that. We can do that. See, I'm I'm fine with teaching other people how to make apps and how to make websites. I just don't want to do the maintenance. Okay. Uh, Go ahead. Now, do you have any more questions, Miracle? 
Yep, I just had one more question about one more project. I was because <laughs> I, I just found this one interesting, and I put the little quotes around it. What did it say? It's um, it said on there. It was about the, I guess it was the shape of of sound oh, or something like that. Yeah, and it said the deformable interface for the exploration of sound seems. Oh, I I wrote that. In complex and exciting so can you talk about that a little bit yeah that was a project that I worked on my first year here Mm -hmm. um I was in a class um there's a a research group called tangible media and so I was taking that class and I got put into this group project and it ended up just being a group that all was interested in play and music and so what the project is, yes. is there's like this, I don't even know what to call it. It is like a strand that um, bends into different shapes. And depending mm. on what shape it is, then it's a different instrument. Uh-huh. Um, so we have like a tambourine or a piano, depending on like the shape that you put it in. Um, uh-huh. I'm not a musician, so... I didn't do the music. I didn't connect it to like the MIDI board, but there's a there was another person in my group who does a lot of stuff around music. So mm-hmm. it was just it was nice to combine like somebody who does stuff in music and then somebody who does um, a lot of stuff with shapes, and then I do a lot of stuff with play just to combine all of that and so we actually ended up submitting it to a conference and it got accepted so we went into like a poster session and Mm -hmm. uh, wrote a paper about it but um it was a fun like prototype of a toy that we created that we didn't um well, I didn't work anymore on it. I think one person added a few more things to it, but mm-hmm. we haven't done anything with it since then. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had a, a coworker who used to do noise, and it's just like putting all these sounds together. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he would always invite us out to this to the performances. And so I thought that was really interesting. That uh, yeah, shape and sound, <laughs> shape and sound yeah. together. And a lot of you know a lot. Uh, music artists now are just chopping up the old songs and putting them mm-hmm. back together, you know. So <laughs> it's like this is like a whole new frontier. The, the shape of sound, it's like yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, is, is the Media Lab at MIT open to the public? So yes and no. Um, so MIT itself, the campus is open, like 24-7. People can walk in. Uh, I mean, you have to have a cart to get into a lot of the labs and stuff. But the Media Lab has always been pretty closed. Like, the doors are open, and you can go, I think, up to, like, the third floor to, like, the public space, but all of the labs are closed. So you do need somebody who... Um, who studies or works there to take you beyond that. Yeah, because that's a dope place for anybody to go visit. I just remember when we were out there, I want to say, how old was I? Maybe 16 or 17? I, I think you were. 17, I was 17. Yeah. Um, so many things that we seen back then, I'm just now seeing right mm-hmm. now. 
even the things that um, LaVersa had me talk about um, as far as the improbable tomorrows and I'm talking Mm -hmm. to somebody on the phone, you know what I'm saying? Like, these are things that we're starting to see now. So just, yeah, it's it's super dope. So if anybody is ever out that way, you got to check out the the campus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we have another question. All right, hey, if um, first of all, pleasure speaking to you. So, if I was to, if I wanted to sell the idea of coding and or blockchain technology to to young people and why they should get involved in it or what benefits or just selling points, period. What what advice could you give me to do so? Um, that's a good question. So, kids are impatient. <laughs> Um, so I guess the first thing I do is I show them the types of careers that they could have and, and how much money they could be making. So that's usually a, a selling point is like, this is actually stuff that you can do. Um, and not just showing them one thing, but showing them multiple things that they can do. And that, you know, coding is connected to basically everything and it can be connected to anything that they want to do um you know so i sometimes what i do is i have students write down on sticky notes all the things that they're interested in and then we go through it and we talk about how coding is connected to all of it um even like with fashion you see people doing these virtual runway shows and making a lot of money on it um you see there's there's people who have designed um, responsive clothing, so like sweaters that you know change with your mood and things like that. So, really, just showing them that it is connected to everything and that it is a skill that is in high demand, and so they can make a lot of money doing stuff and not really have to change too much of what they're already interested in. Nice. Yeah, I, I um, watched that movie Startup, and it helped me to to learn a little bit more about uh, blockchain <laughs> <Right>. and all <laughs> that stuff. But like that yeah. movie Startup, was, I was like, what? Uh, yeah, I said I watched it like three times, but I love I loved it because I've been into crypto for for a long time, but I never really did anything and never went into the technology of it. And it's so fascinating because that's like a whole new world. And a whole new tech, you know, all these different technologies can come in under crypto, all these different businesses, all these different. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I and I see that that's something that MIT offers as far as blockchain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Jaleesa, where 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 exactly can we find you at? And I do want to throw out uh, Jaleesa is currently um, a black woman to, named a black woman to follow um, on Twitter in tech in tech. So um, that's super dope as well. Um, yeah. What what what's your Twitter handle? Um, yeah, it's uh, Jaleesa T. J A L E E S A T. You have Facebook too? Twitter. Mm-hmm. Jaleesa Trap. Oh, 
at you on Facebook. Lisa. <laughs> and, and that's what that's what a uh, two P's at the end. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got you. I'm following you now. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All well, right. we thank you, Jaleesa. Um, thank you so much. And um, thank you for the work that you are doing. You're definitely needed. You're valuable. And you're somebody that I look up to. So I really appreciate you for this. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this was great. <laughs> All right, look forward to talking to you again. All right, I'll go look for your Facebook request. Okay, it's Miracle. Uh, my Asia lady, <laughs> Lottie. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Have a good one. You 